1: Listen to Locadora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
3: wherever you get your podcasts. What's up everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. Ho-
4: win a trick
3: down!
5: This is Straight of Vegas.
3: Straight out of Vegas! With
5: the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money.
3: You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
5: Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto.
4: Well, in a world of questions, we've got answers. And in a world of problems, we've got solutions. So welcome in as we head into NFL Week 2. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight, we'll take a closer look and grade the quarterbacks from Week 1. There were a ton of new starters, understander for brand new teams, including those who were making their NFL debut. We will break it down. In about 15 minutes, we'll welcome in welcome, uh, well, Golden Nugget Sportsbook Director Tony Miller, a fan favorite here in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about the wildfire spread of legal sports betting across the United States. And after Steve DeSager's update, well, we'll talk. We'll talk about which games the pros fired on and why Week One was a record setter for the sports books. And I'll give a little Aaron Rodgers perspective. It's I think it's déjà vu all over again. In other words, R E L A X. You can Google it. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, this is straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as I say in Harmon Killabrew, Minnesota, it is going to be lit. Before I start to dive into the quarterbacks and their grades, and, you know, there, there are uh, several to get to, I, I want to get something off my chest here because the Groupthink Echo Chamber has gone ballistic the last three or four weeks, specifically surrounding around Justin fields and why isn't he starting and uh you know it's it's about starting a rookie quarterback and and I think instead of shouting fanatically and getting emotional i want to step into the middle of this debate and look at it panoramically all right i I just don't like this narrative well we're gonna suck anyway so why wait that's fortune cookie wisdom it doesn't work that way. I'm even going to call out uh, respectfully Colin Coward, who said, you know, they got tomato cans coming up. It's like when a boxer, a manager starts a new boxer, he, he lines them up with tomato cans. There are no tomato cans in the NFL. I covered the Lions for 10 years. Don't ever say anything like that anywhere near an NFL player or in a locker room. We got a lot of NFL guys on this network. Call them a tomato can and see what happens. Some are better than others. Some teams have better success than others. Some players rise higher than others. They're all NFL players. They're not tomato cans. And if Justin Fields starts, they're going to force him to stay in the pocket and make complex throws to covered receivers. And if he starts to run, some linebacker is going to hit him so hard, his kids will be born dizzy. This isn't funny. He is going to start sooner rather than later. He is their future. We realize that Andy Dalton is not – no one's going to confuse him with John Elway, but he still looks pretty good, and he gets the ball out of his hands. He knows what he's looking at. That's why he's had 75 career wins and over 200 touchdowns and 35,000 passing yards. He's in really good company. Two blown coverages in that game Sunday night, or that's an even football game. And I get it. Dalton's not going to take the top off a defense, and he's not going to take over a game, but he's not a tomato can either. Here's what you need to know before I get into these grades, all right? This is coming from someone who covered the Lions for 10 years and someone who has a little bit of an ability to analyze and write a scouting report on a quarterback. A quarterback, first and foremost, must learn to read and recognize the nature and structure of a defense as a whole. Because when the ball is snapped and the defense shifts shifts post-snap, example let's say the defense shows a two safety look and so before you snap the ball the middle of the field looks open and then all of a sudden they move to a single safety the the quarterback's got to read in a split second is it man coverage now is it cover one is it zone do the corners give space do they bring pressure does the front structure change this is what makes playing quarterback so complex The volume of information you have to absorb and process before and after the snap determines whether or not you can repeat success at the NFL level. Defensive coordinators are going to make you think and they're going to make you work. You've got a split second to read, make decisions, and then execute based on what these looks show you. You just don't take off and run like you did in college. So give this time to marinate. It's not a quest to get there the quickest. The goal is to stay there the longest and have a long-time success in the NFL. Justin Fields is going to be just fine sooner than you think. He's not quite ready yet. I'm sure Nagy's seeing something in practice. His default mechanism is still to run. Uh, Andy Dalton gets the ball out of his hands whether you like it or not. That team's going nowhere anyway. Two blown coverage is ridiculous. If you didn't know that Matt Steneffer could beat an under-500 team who's going nowhere, not in the playoffs, and he's got a coach who he's got one foot on the grave and another on a banana peel, then you haven't been paying attention. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Teddy Bridgewater, I'm grading him first. Love that guy. I told you I love that guy. He's a winner. He did it in Minnesota. He did it in New Orleans. Now he opens up at home as a dog against Green Bay. He's now 22-4. and four. Check that, 23-4. and four against the spread on the road in his career. The guy's a leader, he's a winner, he's composed, he's a playmaker. You got to give the Saints a lot of credit because their interior line defensively and offensively did a superb job. But Teddy Bridgewater made plays when the game was close early. There was a home game for the Saints in Jacksonville. Green Bay strolls in. They've been to the they're 26 and 6 the last 2 years, but they take the field against Teddy Bridgewater not up in here. Not up in here. Love that guy. They're back in Jacksonville tomorrow. I think, yeah, Denver's back. Well, no, check that. Yes. All right. Denver heads to Jacksonville tomorrow to play Jacksonville, I believe, is a road game. Anyway, the long and short of it is, uh, is that uh, – They're a six-point favorite, and I I, I look for Denver to do well again tomorrow. So Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, for me, gets an A. All right, Jameis Winston. I'm proud of Jameis. He did very well last week. He didn't force anything. He surveyed the land and said, I'll take what you give me. The flat is open. The defensive end has lost contain. Fine. I'll run for eight yards. I'll get to the edge, and then I'll slide. My wide receiver's plastered on a simple stop route, no problem. I'll throw it away, and I'll live to fight another day. Smart with the ball. Jameis Winston was smart with the ball, and if he can continue that, they might have a pretty good season there in New Orleans. All right? Now, he's got to do it again, but Teddy, you know, look – uh, James Winston threw for five thousand yards once. He, that doesn't grow on trees. I, I've bagged on him on the interceptions he's thrown over the years, and they're bad ones. But I saw a totally different Jameis Winston the other day, and okay, he showed he could do it. Now go do it again. I'm gonna give. I want to give Jameis an A. Trevor Lawrence, I'm gonna give you a C plus. Number one pick overall, you know, it's always a difficult situation. They went into Houston. He was a road favorite. I I still don't believe that. Divisional dog Houston at home gets it done. Uh, Lawrence was 28 of 51, 54%, 332 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, You know, they took off the training wheels. It was a baptism by fire for Trevor Lawrence, but hopefully things don't get too hot. I think tomorrow he's in trouble again, big time. Uh, against Denver and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, that's a story for tomorrow. But I will say in week one, he, he may have lost his worst, his first regular season football game like most quarterbacks do when they're rookies, and especially if you are starting uh, as the number one overall pick in the history of the NFL. It only happened nine times before uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence did that week one. It only happened nine times before where a number one overall pick started week one and they were one and eight. Now they're one and nine. For the record, David Carr was the only quarterback to win his inaugural start as a rookie week one being the number one pick overall. Now, Trevor Lawrence got fooled in some you know, typical rookie mistake stuff. And he's going to have to wade some rough waters. Jacksonville's going through a total rebuild. And I think you expect more of the same that you saw in week one. The Jags defense is going to get gashed. Lawrence in the offense is going to have to play from behind a lot. He's going to be in key passing situations a lot. It's not going to get any easier for Trevor Lawrence. I give him a C plus. But look, give people time. I remember when John Elway broke in, Peyton Manning broke in, there were a lot of Troy Aikman, a lot of great quarterbacks broke in and struggled mightily. Mac Jones, I give him B plus A minus. He's doing exactly what I told you he would do going back to April. Now you see that he understands what it takes to navigate an NFL offense. I don't know why people say he's not athletic. He's not a sprinter. Okay, But what if I told you he had a faster 40 time in the combine than Patrick Mahomes, and he doesn't have a rocket arm like Trey Lance, who who has no off-speed pitch, but he has a deep ball as well as I've seen anybody coming into the league. Matter of fact, his deep ball percentage in college last year was better than Trevor Lawrence. And you saw that deep ball he threw about 60 yards in the air that Nikhil Harry dropped in the preseason. This dude's got it going. He was 29 of 39, nothing, 74%, just like college, 281 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. And he had kind of a confusing first passing attempt, but he settled down and showcased by far the best start of any of the rookies who made their debuts on Sunday. And he let it loose versus Miami. And he fared better than his Alabama counterpart on the other side, Tua. And I thought two played a decent game. But Mac Jones, and they lost, okay, but they didn't lose because of Mac Jones. There was a fumble, and I think you're going to see him get after it tomorrow, and you'll see a situation where, once again, uh, Mac Jones will show that he can get a, get the ball out of his hand in rhythm. You know, he hit his receivers in stride, on schedule. He makes the right decision, places the ball incredibly well. He's the type of guy that is born to play the position even though he's not going to win the 100 meters in the Olympics. You don't need to do that in the NFL. You just need to understand how to prosecute an offense. Zach Wilson, he went through two preseason games playing against backups, and he impressed. The problem with that analysis, Wilson played, and that's worth about as much as, you know, uh, arcade tokens in a vending machine. It's not real money. His first real NFL action... He looked good at times, and he struggled at times. It was a tale of two halves, okay? Wilson's first half was all kind of nightmares. He made some bad throws and some rookie mistakes, and the week one overreactions, they looked like reasonable assertions. But the second half was much more representative of the type of player that I believe Zach Wilson can be long-term. He finished 14-21 in the second half, for 174 yards and two touchdowns. He also showcased some of his uh, signature escapability and improvisation that made him the number two pick in the 2021 draft. The tape will also tell you that the Jets, the youngest team in the NFL, have a long way to go. Zach doesn't have a lot to work with. His offensive line was pathetic in his skill position group. I don't care how much to improve they told it was from the San Darnold era. They're going to need some time to gel, or they're going to need to train these guys, something Still, game one of week one of year one, Zach Wilson era New York, There's there were enough glimmers of hope and bright lights to make you think that maybe not heading into week two against Belichick, but beyond, they may have found their quarterback. Give it time. I Give Zach Wilson a C-plus also, but it wasn't entirely his fault. And I think, again, there is a lot there to look at. Uh... And can lead you to believe that he is a guy that's going to belong in this league and has real potential for long-term success. Throughout the show, I'm going to, you know, talk about some other quarterbacks as well. I will talk about Trey Lance. I will talk about Justin Fields a little bit more. Believe me, I will get to Matt Stafford. And, you know, when you compare how these guys did, I'm talking about the rookies. Compare to guys like, you know, Sam Bradford and Cam Newton and Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin and Jameis Winston back when he really was a rookie and Sam Darnold. They're not that bad. This is a pretty good quarterback class. So let's give it time. I'm going to get to a lot of that a little bit later in the show. We're going to go all the way to 3 a.m. So we've got a lot to get to. But coming up, we are bringing a fan favorite. He's the sportsbook director here at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, Mr. Tony Miller. We'll talk about week one of the NFL, and we'll talk about this phenomenon, legalized gambling. And I'm going to ask him a very pointed question that came up on the show with Bob Costas. Back on the record with Bob Costas, someone made what I believe to be a very inaccurate assertion, and I want Tony Miller to set the record straight. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 News Report, limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight
5: Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen, I'm Dan and We have a brand-new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer, we have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex.
3: I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times.
2: With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan
7: Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota.
5: to start listening
4: we are back on straight out of vegas the pregame show you always wanted i'm bernie Fratto coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios welcoming a gentleman a fan favorite here in las vegas the longtime sportsbook director here at the golden nuggets say hello to tony miller tony how are you buddy bernie how you doing my friend good to catch up uh, it's been a minute and after that Week one where nine dogs one out right, Tony. I got to believe uh, you're looking good right now. Books, uh, book's off to a great start, huh?
8: Well, buddy, let me tell you, when you have a day like when uh, the top big dogs, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Florida, Ohio State, you know, Georgia, they don't cover it. You know the book's going to have a good day. <laughs> exactly what today.
4: Tony, one of the things I want to talk about tonight, because I know you've got your finger on the pulse, Uh, The widespread uh, growth of legalized sports betting since PASPA in 2018, I think we're up to 27 states now. I want you to address a uh, a situation of the country, uh, Tony. This is important. Uh, Bob Costas does a show called Back on the Record, and he had a guest on by the name of uh, Jane McManus uh, in his most recent uh, episode and she raised the issue, and I'm, I'm not bagging on her. She, she doesn't know. She raised the issue, does this open the door for more compromised athletes to be compromised with respect to games being fixed or the outcomes of games? And she posed it, and I, I, I think she's going down the wrong road. And, and I know how, how the game is played, Tony. But explain to the country the, the incredible checks and balances and the integrity that goes on with respect – And now that you bring it out from behind the shadows, legalized gambling should make this situation almost impossible to happen. Do you agree?
8: I definitely agree. It is almost impossible. You know, I've been I've been booking here in the state of Nevada now since the mid eighties and I can tell you the Nevada Gaming Control Board is one of the best as far as integrity goes. We monitor things, we watch things and we're you know, we got some very, very strict rules here in the state of Nevada. And with sports betting now across the country, gaming commissions in all these states will follow in suit and, you know, they'll be watching things. But I can tell you, you know, we've had nothing in years. You won't see anything, I don't believe, coming up. And the integrity of the game is very important in all the states. And uh, legalized gambling is going to be very big in the future and years to come.
4: And, Tony, it would always be my assertion because we know what happened with Boston College back in the 70s or the 80s and such uh, with the point-shaving scandal. But, The truth of the matter is, before betting was legalized, even though it might have been difficult then, it might have been more likely then. Now it's safer than ever. Again, if you want to reiterate that point.
8: Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, the gaming commission is watching everything, Bernie. You know, uh, the stuff we had with the NBA refs and, and, you know, some of the schools in the past, you'll never see again. I mean, they are on top of things, and there's a lot of policing. And we do a lot of paperwork every day on on certain things that we send to the gaming commission, and we're being monitored. I'm sure the other books and all the other sports books around the country are going to be monitored also. But, uh, yeah, I have no problems and no issues whatsoever about worrying about
4: that stuff. Good, Tony. I, I, and I knew that was going to be the answer. But when it comes from you, a longtime sports book director here in Las Vegas, it has a different tenor. One of the games I want to look at tomorrow, Tony, the Sunday night game. I understand the ticket count. Kansas City to Baltimore is 35 to 1. So we know who the books are going to need. Talk about some of the big decisions tomorrow that you're looking at in, in terms of the, the matchups, Tony. The big decisions as far as the books.
8: Yeah, well, right now, you know how the public – they love public favorites. I can tell you right now, uh, Tampa Bay and L.A. Rams is probably the big ticket game of the day. Good two-way action there. But we're going to end up probably needing Tampa Bay because of the proximity we are to L.A. tomorrow. And as far as ticket count goes, they always bet the Rams. And, of course, we got our Raiders, and they're going to be bet the Raiders here in Vegas against uh, uh, Miami. So that's going to be a big one for us. But you know you're right. the the, the game tomorrow night, the Packers Forty ers is going to be a big one. We'll, we'll see how Green Bay bounces back in that game, and uh, I'm pretty sure you know we're at Green Bay house. We get a lot of Wisconsin flow coming through, and uh, we're we'll probably end up needing the Niners in that game. And of course, you go to Monday night, and you got you know. Oh, I'm way ahead of you. I'm so sorry. I'm looking at the following week. Excuse me. Uh, the the Chiefs-Ravens tomorrow night. Excuse me. Yeah, 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 Bernie, for sure we're going to need the Ravens in that game because that public loves the Chiefs. And they stay on them quite a bit. And America's team, Dallas Cowboys, they bet them with me. We're a Houston House here at the Golden Nugget. We get a lot of people coming up from Texas. We're going to need the Chargers in those games. But I can guarantee you the big one tomorrow night is definitely going to be we're going to need the Ravens on that Sunday night game tomorrow night.
4: Talking with Tony Miller, sportsbook director here at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas. Tony, I've always called week two in the NFL overreaction Sunday because people saw week one, for instance, oh, the New York Giants, they suck, they're going to get killed by Washington. Game went right to the wire, and he got another divisional dog cover. What do you think are some of the overreaction teams tomorrow that the public has perceived?
8: Well, I can guarantee you, you know, uh, uh, the Green Bay game on Monday night, See right. how they played last week. And, uh, you know, Detroit did not look bad. They had a big comeback against the Niners the week before. And I think the Lions might get some play against the Packers because the public's really down on Aaron Rodgers right now. He's getting some heat. So, you know, that might be an overreaction game. They could bounce back and, you know, take the Lions to the woodshed. We'll see. That's a big game on Monday night for Green Bay. And one of the other ones is, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals. they become a little Cinderella team because of Joe Burrow. And he's getting a lot of support now with the Bengals. And we'll see how the Bears bounce back after that loss last week against the Rams. So we'll be looking at those games tomorrow. And, of course, the Raiders against the Steelers. And there'll be a lot of play on that game. We'll see how the Steelers hold up and come out 2-0. Tony,
4: you talked about a lot of the college football favorites today. The big name, marquee Schools, not covering. Uh, the pay- Talk to the folks about how the – public really loves to bet favorites and the truth of the matter is a lot of times you got to do a little bit more homework because what looks like a blowout on paper isn't always the case
8: You know, Bernie, a lot of people come to town and they love their parlays and they love their teasers. They love shooting BBs at the moon with these parlays (laughs) and the the six-teamers, seven-teamers, and eight-teamers. They love the favorites and they love the big-name teams. I promise you, every week you're going to see in those parlays, Bama, Oklahoma, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. And when some of those teams go down, especially if they lose straight up, because that kills money lines also and teasers. We're going to make a lot of money because there's a lot of parlay action, a lot of teaser action that comes across the counter, not just straight bets. So, yeah, we do do good when the favorites go down.
4: Tony, before I let you run, we're winding down a pretty exciting Major League Baseball season with multiple pennant races. Who are the teams the books are exposed with in terms of those who might sneak in if they were to win a World Series or get to the World Series, might you know have caught your eye that would cost the books some money?
8: Well, in my situation, you know, our our biggest need is going to be the Dodgers because we had them, uh, you know, we knew they were a good team coming in and we had them shaded pretty low all season. And when you see some of these outside teams, say Toronto, for example, should get in the wild card and make it to the World Series, we're going to be sweating out Toronto. Because, you know, they, they have some pretty good odds to start the season. But, you know, when you see teams like the Dodgers or, or you know, the, the you know the Giants is another surprise team. If they come in, you know, we're, we're going to get hurt a little bit on them, too, as far as division winner goes, as far as pen in the World Series. But uh, we'll be rooting for probably some of the favorites, like the like the Rays and the Dodgers. If you see the Brewers come in or the Cardinals or the Reds or some of those teams, that's where we are going to get spanked a little bit because they have longer odds start the season.
4: Tony, as always, greatly appreciates you making time on a Saturday night. I know how busy this time of year is for you, and I know how long these days are. Thanks so much, Tony.
8: Buddy, I appreciate you.
4: Thanks so much. You got it. That is Tony Miller, longtime sports book director of the Golden Nugget, and you heard it from the horse's mouth. It is safe, there are safeguards. There is integrity. There are checks and balances in place. Stop and think before you make a statement about the concern of games being fixed or athletes being bought. I understand, but you heard it from the horse's mouth. It's safe. Coming up, don't feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. He's in pretty good company, and we'll talk about what Tony just mentioned and why the NFL, why the underdogs prevailed to a record-setting point last week. But first, let's go to Steve DeSager with the latest.
9: Top-ranked Alabama was a 31-29 winner at 11th-ranked Florida. Bama had led 21-3 after the first quarter on three touchdown passes from Bryce Young on the first three drives. Number three, Oklahoma edged Nebraska 23-16. Sixth-ranked Clemson survived 14-8 over Georgia Tech. Number 10, Penn State was a Saturday night winner against Auburn 28-20 with three minutes left. Auburn on a fourth and goal at the two through incomplete. And West Virginia held on to beat 15th-ranked Virginia Tech 27-20. The New England Patriots elevated kicker Nick Folk to the active roster. The Texans elevated kicker Joey Sly. Colts tackle Eric Fisher is due to start against the Rams, coming back from a torn Achilles. To baseball, the Cardinals won their seventh in a row, edging the Padres 3-2 with three runs in the bottom of the eighth. The Giants and Dodgers each won. Philadelphia sent the Mets to a fifth straight loss. I'm Steve DeSager.
4: All right, thanks so much, Steve. And you know, Aaron Rodgers, even uh, Tony just brought him up, and they keep showing that gosh darn press conference from last week. I and mean, he, I can't tell what he's morphed into. Whether it's Kurt Cobain, smells like Teen Spirit. One minute I look at him, I think he's George Carlin. Another minute he's Tom Cruise. In the last seminar, anyway, you look at it, it's not a good look. It's not. It's a grunge look. But what was even a worse look? was last sunday when aaron Rodgers played an away game against new orleans in jacksonville and as the reigning mvp he not only didn't throw a single touchdown pass he had multiple interceptions not a great way to start the season and green bay got blown up on both sides of the line of scrimmage i've learned a long time ago don't overreact to what you saw last week i still think green bay is going to be okay However, what's interesting is that Aaron Rodgers is actually in good company as it pertains to his week one performance, and here's what I mean by that. So I'll repeat myself. Opening week, reigning MVP, he didn't throw a single touchdown pass, and in fact, he threw multiple interceptions. That's been done four other times prior to last Sunday, all by Hall of Famers. Dan Marino did it in 1985, opening week against Houston. Reigning MVP, not a single touchdown pass, multiple interceptions. Joe Theismann did it just the year before that in 84 against the Miami Dolphins. Back in 1975, Kenny Stabler of the Raiders did it also against those same Dolphins. And way back in 1967, Bart Starr, Hall of Famer of the Green Bay Packers, did it against the Detroit Lions. And oh, yeah, oh, by the way, Green Bay went on to win the Super Bowl that year against the Raiders. R-E-L-A-X, as Rodgers would say. Look, it it looks odd in Green Bay. Everything has looked odd for the last nine months. But I don't think they fell off a cliff. Everybody overreacts. They're in a terrible division in the NFC North. I still think Green Bay rebounds. We'll see. I'll be here in December. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. But I would just say this. He's in good company in terms of his week one performance. And I look for Green Bay to bounce back, just like they did in 2014 when they opened up the season poorly and he hit the r-e-l-a-x sign things look a little different though he he didn't look like uh, you know he didn't like look look like george carlin back then so that's that's concerning by the way urban meyer owen one for the first time in his career he's under 500 never has happened didn't happen at bowling green utah florida or ohio state but his buddy ryan famously said when Jimmy Johnson was hired by the Dallas Cowboys in 1989, he's going to find out the Reno East Carolinas on the schedule in this league. Be interesting to see how Jacksonville does tomorrow against Denver. I think they're in big trouble. Tony talked about all the underdogs cashing. Here's how great it was last week in The Las Vegas sportsbooks set a record. It was that good because nine underdogs, twelve. Check that, twelve underdogs covered. Nine underdogs actually won outright, and the reason that is so significant is what a lot of betters try to do are take two favorites and parlay them to each other, or parlay three or four or five. Right? Let's say last week you went into the week and and, and you parlayed. Uh, uh, let's say you bet against the Arizona Cardinals, right, or Cincinnati, or Houston, or the Chargers, or the Dolphins, or the Saints, or, or the Philadelphia Eagles. Every one of them won his point spread underdog Sunday. And if you teased or parlayed three or four of them, that killed every one of your bets the minute they went out right. The last time the books, oh, by the way, the Cleveland the, the Cleveland Browns, the Cowboys and, and Lions also covered the spread as dogs. They lost those games, but they still covered. So 9-7 and seven straight up dogs win. That's the first time underdogs have finished with a winning record in week one since 1983. They made history. And, and, and by the way, none of the underdogs that won faced real large spreads. The Steelers, who closed as a six-and-a-half-point underdog, they pulled the biggest upset of the week, knocking out the Bills 23-16. to 16. So it wasn't like it was a huge situation, but the, the, where, it, well, where it was huge is the fact that when all of those underdogs went out right, as I said, it kills the Moneyline parlays, it kills the teasers, and it becomes very lucrative from the bookmakers because once you once you start, you know, cutting those multiple team parlays off, the, the, the winnings start stacking up for the books. Now Monday night, you know, produced some mixed results and all the sports books that operate in Nevada, they didn't fare quite as well because the hometown Raiders, when they sprung that comeback over the Ravens, obviously as Tony said, because we have the Las Vegas Raiders here in town as a home team, they're a hometown favorite. Right, I mean, Caesar Sportsbook even reported taking in a $200,000 bet at the Raiders plus four and a half, and they ended up winning outright. So a a lot of other sportsbooks like Mirage and the Mandalay Bay, they took some very large wagers on the Raiders. And one MGM spokesperson said that the Raiders winning outright was a very bad result for, for the MGM as well. The truth of the matter is, with the legal markets expanding, the sports betting it, it continues to hit record numbers. And let's just face it, last four, last weekend you had a four-day stretch. It was the best ever in the NFL season that kicks off. And it track. There, there are companies now. There's a company called GeoComply that tracks. Uh, services to sports books, and they tracked about fifteen million bets that are online transactions that took place Thursday through Sunday. and these are legalized, these are regulated markets, right? sports books in eighteen states in the District of Columbia, one hundred and twenty six percent increase from the same period at the start of the 2020 season. It's my understanding that Arizona just went online. And legalized sports betting. And they had over, I think, 250,000 people sign up for accounts and made over $4 million in bets the first weekend. So the data, it really tells a remarkable story about how the growth of this industry in such an incredible short amount of time. And you've now got licensed bookmakers in 27 states and Washington. There are multiple more jurisdictions expected to come online in the coming months and years. And this weekend, uh, you know, DraftKings also reported that last weekend was one of the biggest weekends ever for them as well, an online sportsbook points bet. You may have heard of them. They also reported record betting interest in both not just the number of bets, but the amount wagered on the NFL opening Sunday. And so, the truth of the matter is. The expansion of legal sports betting, it hasn't hurt Nevada bookmakers. It's actually helped Nevada bookmakers. The truth of the matter is it's created awareness and fun. So when we talk about this now, it's not just Vegas. There are regulated markets all over the country that are enjoying this. New Jersey, they're doing a fabulous job in New Jersey. I think 80% of the bets that are made now in New Jersey are bet through apps, and so that's, that's where the future is going. It's electronic. It's not just brick and mortar. Sure, you can still walk into a sports book here and enjoy the games on the big screen with your favorite beverage. It's a lot of fun. The atmosphere is terrific. I was over at the South Point today watching the Alabama game, watching all the games, you know, Ohio State-Tulsa game. There were six or seven games, eight games all up at once. You know, fantastic atmosphere within the sportsbook. But the truth of the matter is, for most batters now, north of 50%, They've gone to the app, and so literally, you go to your phone, you can you know, take advantage of in-game betting. There's all kinds of products you're going to continue to see here and in the future that are going to cause this handle. It's what they call a handle. That's the amount bet on the NFL games to do nothing but rise. Coming up, we're going to talk about three games tomorrow, the pros like a lot, and something I call the NFL 2 Week Matrix Madness. You know, Everybody right now is either 1-0 and or 0-1, and you've all heard the stories about how, you know, the 0-1 teams versus the 1-0 and teams. Well, what happens when a 1-0 team plays a 1-0 team or an 0-1 team plays an 0-1 team? We have some stats on that as well. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Outta Vegas. Straight
3: outta Vegas!
6: One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto.
2: You can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Celina, Selena.
7: Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota.
4: We're back on Straight of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios before I go any further. I want to thank my crew for all their efforts. That would be Chris Perfett, Paul Benson, and Steve Sager on the updates. Could not do the show without you guys. Before I get to the three games tomorrow that the pros love and I want to talk about the 1-0 versus 1-0 matrix and the 0-1 versus 0-1. A couple of tidbits you may want to hear about. I want to read a tweet I got from somebody named David S. It says, Bernie, you make it sound like the so-called Sharps, quote, in quotes, only bet underdogs in obscure games like roast beef state. It sounds like you stole a line from Colin there. Sharps bet favorites too, and they bet high-profile games. Duh. That's an excellent point. I'm giving you credit. But you can't selectively listen. What I was saying was that the public, by and large, bet favorites. And then the NFL, one of the things that the public can match in terms of the handle when it comes to professional money versus amateur money is the NFL. That's why the books did so well last weekend when all the dogs covered. You also put 56% average may qualify you to be as sharp anyway, which is also true. If you bet 56%, you can make all the money you want to make. So... To summarize, yes, you're right, David, sharps also bet favorites. You look to bet value based on the power ratings and based on where the numbers take you, and then there are situational spot plays also. So if I implied that the only people that bet favorites are the public, then uh you can say I may maybe I misspoke. I don't think I misspoke. I think what I did was just make a blanket statement. But be that as it may, yes, set the record straight so you all know it's not just the public who bets. Favorites. Speaking of a couple of favorites, the Pat the Patriots are laying. Well, they're up to six now, but you could have got this at five earlier in the week. They're laying six against the Jets, and it's hard for me to believe the Jets can hang this number tomorrow. I don't think they can win this game. The hoodie will be in a very foul mood, where he's likely to add to his sixteen and five straight up and thirteen and eight against the spread career mark when the Pats go on the road in a divisional game after a loss. Uh, The the Patriots played pretty well last week, and they outgained Miami by almost 140 yards, and it was a tough loss, 17-16. Mac Jones had a great game through for 281 yards, uh, a a touchdown, no interceptions. That's the most by a Patriot quarterback in his first career start, but it was all for naught because of a costly fumble. The Jets had major trouble blocking last week. They're going to have even bigger trouble tomorrow against this New England front seven. I think poor Zach uh, Wilson's going to be running for his life. The Pats are simply outmatched. Uh, The pros like there's 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 a favorite the pros are on. Here's an interesting game. Minnesota has been a hot dumpster fire. They're catching five against Arizona tomorrow. This is a classic situation where you've got a favorite week one who loses outright against a dog who won outright in week one. So Minnesota was a favorite week one against Cincinnati. They played well enough to win against turnovers, cost them the game. And Arizona looked very impressive, and they won outright as a dog. Mike Zimmer is actually 30-15 and against the spread following a loss. Now, this is another situation where people overreact to what they saw last. I think Arizona could be a real good team. But week two, laying five, that doesn't mean they're not covering. It doesn't mean they're going to beat Minnesota. It might be a field goal game. So you grab Minnesota and the points, and you catch your ticket. Kyler Murray's five touchdown passes were the reason the Cardinals powered past Tennessee last week, and they were very impressive. And I think Chandler Jones looked like an absolute beast. He looked like he's on his way to a potential defensive player of the year. Five sacks in one game. It was easily the best game that, Murray and head coach Cliff kingsbury they 've ever had in Arizona, so where do they go from here? I don 't know home dinner, maybe a show. You bring in Mike Zimmer who's pissed off. I get that Minnesota's a hot mess between the vaccination thing, between the injuries, between the culture there boy i if you know I know they their their play by play guy Paul Allen thought they were going to be twelve and five, whatever maybe they will you 've got to let this season play out. All I know is i 'm talking about tomorrow, right. And all I think that Mike Zimmer can can think about, they were moving into field goal territory in overtime when Dalvin Cook, who who did not have a good week last week, 61 yards on 20 carries, fumbled and turned the ball over to the Bengals, who proceeded to go down the field and kick the game-winning field goal. Once again, the Vikes outgained the Bengals in the loss, and they need to do a better job of securing the ball tomorrow. But Minnesota, I just told you, 30-15 and against this spread coming off a loss. Denver... Boy, Teddy Bridgewater, again, the gift that keeps on giving. He guided the Broncos to a 27-13 win last week. Bridgewater's now 37-14 against the number in his career as a starter in the NFL, including an incredible 22-3 uh, record against the spread on the road. They go to Jacksonville tomorrow, Denver does, and now the line's up to six. It opened up at two and a half. I would never, ever, ever suggest chasing a line, chasing steam, but I honest to God think You probably could lay up to seven in this game. Jacksonville's in big trouble. Denver has an excellent defense. Vic Fangio ain't playing around. I think they're a playoff team. I love Teddy Bridgewater. He's fabulous, and I think that Denver rolls tomorrow. Kansas City, this Kansas City-Baltimore game. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not on the game. But the ticket count, 35-1 to 1 in favor of Kansas City. So you know who the books are going to need. Baltimore, a home dog. I think they've only been a home dog three times in John Harbaugh's career. By the way, road favorite, Matt Stafford. He's a road favorite tomorrow in Indianapolis, and they're banged up on defense. Matt Stafford, only 10 and 15, is a road favorite in his career. All right, here's what I was telling you before. the. You know, here's the bottom line. It, you, you've got a 1-0 team versus a 1-0 team, and one of them is a home dog tomorrow, and the Eagles, you know, our home dog against the Niners, in that situation, those home dogs are 22-8. and I thought the Eagles looked pretty good week one. You might want to take a flyer on them tomorrow. Can't say I'm on the game, but that's aside. Some sharp people I respect. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about overreaction in the NFL week two. I'm Bernie Fratto. Keep it locked right here. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday